What's up? Welcome back to Patting the Stats podcast. I'm Bose. Got TK here with me. Let's go ahead and jump into some conference championship games in the NFL. Yeah, it was a good weekend for the NFL for sure. I will just start off on this first game. Uh, Bucks beat the Packers. As unfortunate as that is, Tom Brady's going back to another Super Bowl. Um, good game though. Uh, I really think that Tom Brady tried to give this game to the pack to the Packers, but uh, just couldn't couldn't capitalize off those picks for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, I mean that's about it. Tampa Bay wins thirty-one twenty-six. Yeah, I mean that was it was definitely a really good game to watch. Um, like you said, it was Brady's three interceptions that gave. Green Bay a chance to get back in it, but didn't happen. Uh, Tom Brady, not great. Uh, you know, it's not, not not definitely not a good game, but I mean, like he got away with throwing three interceptions against Green Bay, so they're going back to the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl, and they're hosting. I saw a tweet that said Jameis Winston somewhere mad as shit that Tom Brady's getting praise right now. And I thought it was so funny. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes for pretty much 350. Uh, three touchdowns, one pick himself. Tom Brady goes for 280, three touchdowns, three picks. Uh, Chris Godwin had a big game, five, five catches, 110 yards, no touchdowns, but – Still, I mean, moving moving the ball down the field like that, that's about all you need. Uh, Marquez Valdez, Valdez Scantling on the other side went for 115 on four catches and a touchdown. Uh, my man Equinemius didn't do a whole lot. One catch, 10 yards. Um, but, yeah, Green Bay also lost a fumble. I think Aaron Jones lost a fumble. So, uh, three turnovers versus two turnovers. Mm, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like with all those interceptions that Tom Brady threw that you have to capitalize on those. So, that's pretty much all I have to say about that game. Good win for the Bucks. We'll see them in the, in the Super Bowl, unfortunately. Um, moving on, next game, the Patrick Mahomes show. Uh, Chiefs versus Bills. Chiefs win. 38 to 24 really kind of got out of hand early, not early um, second quarter. It really got out of hand. It was 21 to 12 at halftime, which I guess you could say is, is doable for the bills, but with a, with a high powered offense, like the chiefs, I mean, you can't really afford to fall behind at all, to be honest. Uh, but Buffalo jumped out to a nine, nothing lead. And then, Kansas City never really looked back after that, to be honest. Uh, Miko Hardman uh, muffed a punt. Oh, excuse me, muffed a punt early on, and then uh, I mean they kept they trusted in him, kept giving him the ball. He got a fifty-yard catch, and uh, I think he had a good run after that too. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Or it was a fifty-yard rush. I'm sorry, not a catch. Um, it was like an end around or something, but yeah, good win for the good win for the Chiefs. Thought Buffalo had a chance early, but you know, then we got in the second quarter and uh, Casey started scoring all them damn points. But I mean, they just couldn't stop them 
Tyree Hill, 172, nine receptions. Kelsey was over 100 yards, and that was pretty much their receiving attack right there. And on the other side, looking at Buffalo receiving, they had a couple guys go over 70 yards, but uh, outside of that, 240-yarders, and really just couldn't get going, man. Uh, Josh Allen had the one interception, but the Chiefs were just too much. Uh, I don't think Josh Allen was ready for that game. Yeah, and I know going into the playoffs, I said that uh, the, the Bills were probably the hottest team in football at that point in time. And I, I, I stand by that because they were playing some damn good football uh, leading into the playoffs. But as far as in the playoffs, I mean, I, I just – obviously the competition is stiffer, but I just don't think that they played their best football. I mean, they, they – uh, Barely beat the Colts 27-24 and then beat the Ravens 17-3, to which was a damn good look for them. And I, I'll just put it this way. Really, at no point in, this, in the playoffs or in the season did I really see the Bills being able to, to beat the Chiefs uh, because it's kind of understood at this point that if you want to go to the Super Bowl, it's probably going to go through Kansas City. Um, I think they're in the beginning of a dynasty at this point. Uh, just, I mean, due to the fact that they have such a good offense. I mean, they have weapons everywhere, bro. Like, even their running backs, I mean, they didn't have any crazy rush, crazy runners or anything. Like, Daryl Williams went for uh, Darrell Daryl. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. But uh, he went for 50 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, that touchdown was big. That was when they needed it. Uh, and other than that, I mean, that's, that's really, it's really it for this game. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it's, you, you just got to find a way to stop Tyree kill. And that's way easier said than done. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember what was said. Something was said about, I think from, I don't know if it was fans or what, but something was said about Tyree Hill not being, better than Stefan Diggs and we saw how you know we saw how that went this game but I kind of you know I kind of thought the Bills were I, mean, I definitely thought they were a playoff contender uh, I thought they had a shot against the Chiefs but again it's KC I mean like you said it's it's pretty much a dynasty at this point or the start of one but I, I didn't I didn't see them winning this game really but I definitely wasn't counting them out. So I'd have to say I definitely thought that they were a contender for the Super Bowl, but clearly they had to go through the Chiefs to do that, and it doesn't really work out too well. So I kind of going back to the last game, um, I know I said that was all I had, but I've been seeing a lot of people say that Aaron Rodgers choked. And one, I, I just want to point out one really interesting call to me was the fact that Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal with two oh, minutes yeah. left. I don't know why we were didn't down, talk about this. Like, what was it like? They were down like, what was it? Five, I think. And they kick a field goal with two minutes left and not give the ball to your best player. I, I mean, one of the all-time great quarterback. I, I don't I was – I was really questioning that decision. I still don't know what went into the thought process there. Yeah, I mean, they were down eight. 
decided to kick the field goal. And I don't, I don't understand the call either. I definitely don't understand the call considering Aaron Rodgers is having the season that he's having. So that, that made no sense to me. I mean, you, you go for seven right there. And you have to. I don't know why. I, I, I don't get it, honestly. I don't know how you don't go for seven right there. It just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Like, you have to. Like you said, especially, I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is coming off of a MVP year. He's probably going to win the MVP. Um, and you decide to take three there. I, I mean, I get it. I, I actually, you know what? I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I don't know why you're taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and putting it in the hands of your defense that hasn't really been able to stop. I won't say they haven't been able to stop them, but I mean, they had already given up what 31 points at that point. Right. I mean, why are you going to, why are you trying to trust the defense with two minutes left? Uh, right. That, I mean, that made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, you're, tr- you're trusting the defense that gave up 31 points already. So I, I, I really like you had to take you, you go for seven right there and dude it, it I'm like my mind's blown on why they did that but stupid call don't know if it would have made a difference but you know they at least would have been a lot closer and I mean field goal to me just doesn't make sense yeah, and I mean, regardless of how many timeouts you even have left, still all the Bucks are going to need with two minutes left is one, maybe two first downs, and the game is over. Right. And based on how they've been playing all game, I mean, I don't know if you're banking on Tom Brady to throw another interception or something, which he had already thrown three, so why not? But at the same time, I mean, you can't rely on somebody else making a mistake to I, – I don't know. Well, I mean, that Tom, shit kind of pissed me off. I ain't gonna lie to you. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're definitely not banking on Tom Brady throwing a third interception because he's not gonna throw the ball. You know, the, well, there's like a right. like a minute something left on the clock whenever they got the ball back. Yeah, something like that. All right. So you need to score. The reason you score seven right there is because that puts you, or not seven, but you go six and then you go for two to tie the game, right? You're down eight. If you yeah. don't get that, all you need is a field goal to win instead of relying on your offense, or one, you're relying on your defense to get the ball back for you with time on the clock, and then you have to worry about your offense going on the field and scoring another touchdown. When you could, right. you can move down the field and just settle for a field goal to win the ball game. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. This is Matt LaFleur's, what, second year as a head coach, I think? Um, yeah, give or take. Might even, I don't know. I don't remember how long it's been since, he's, since he got hired there, but I don't know. Maybe it's a rookie, mis- rookie head coach mistake, but I'm sure with all the backlash that he's getting that he won't do that shit again. I mean, I would hope not. I mean, that's, that was – that was like Pop Warner stuff right there, son. That was not good. right. That was terrible. But yeah, regardless of all that, uh, pretty good weekend of NFL. Let's move into some NBA. 
All right, bet. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so really, I just wanted to touch on one team. I know that we've been doing, or last week we did like surprise teams, and this team didn't really get any love. Well, actually, it would be quite the opposite. Any, uh, really, just any attention from us is just one team. I wanted to talk about the Pelicans. They, they're such a weird team to me because it's like. You have Zion, you have Brandon Ingram. Those are obviously your core players. And you get Steven Adams, who can't stretch the floor at all. I mean, obviously he's going to provide like rim protection. He's going to be a defensive anchor and all that stuff. But at the same time, you get no spacing from that. And that's the kind of – Zion needs a player, a, a center to play alongside that can stretch. So he it opens the floor up for him so he can get more open looks. Um, but this team is just so bad, dude. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, and I think kind of the part of the issue too, is the pace that they're playing at. Uh, they're not really, it doesn't seem like they're running as much as they should. I mean, you have Lonzo who is, I mean, he's a good playmaker in the half court, but his game really excels when he's, uh, when they're in the open floor. And they just don't really – they don't seem to run, like, breaks that much, I guess you would say. It's, it's weird to me, and I don't understand why they went ahead and extended Steven Adams before they even played. Like, they didn't even play yet, and they are already extending him. But I don't know. I just wanted to say that about them. Um, and also, shout out to the Nuggets and the Suns. They just played back-to-back games, and I need that in a seven-game series because those games were phenomenal. Yeah, that was a good two-game series. Let's talk about how dog shit the Heat are this year. Yeah, shout-out Bam for going for 40 the other night against, I think it was the Nets. Yeah. Uh, But they just can't – they can't put it together, bro. I don't really even know what what the issue is with them, to be honest – they're just bad. I mean, Bam is basically your offense. I mean, he's the leading scorer. Yeah. The, he has leads in uh, assist and field goal percentage. So, I mean, no, man. They're and just, rebounds. <laughs> yeah, and rebounds, which you would think. But I mean, I mean, a lot of studi- uh, st- uh, statistical categories that he leads for that team. Uh, a lot of it offensively, and I think he's also leading in blocks per game. But I mean, that's only it's only point nine blocks per game, so it's not like he's going crazy with it. But I really don't know, man. They they just ha- they haven't looked good. Uh, they have a lot of turd quarters. That's what uh, is what Heat Twitter says. I follow a lot of Miami Heat Twitter, and that's how they describe the third quarters for the Heat this year: the turd quarter. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could attribute some of that to not having Jimmy or Avery Bradley, because um, those guys are both going to bring defense and scoring, obviously, on top of that. So. But if you look at, like, the statistics, I mean, they're dead last in rebounds per game 
They're getting 41 rebounds a game, which is 30th in the league, dead last. They're they're tiny. Um, They're they're. Yeah, I mean, Bam is what six eight, six nine. He's probably like right. LeBron size, playing center. I mean, he's ultra athletic, so I mean, you can kind of get away with it. But they're twenty first in points per game and twenty second in points allowed. So I don't know. It's it's a uh, they're negative four pretty much for their for their net rating as far as points scored and points allowed. So uh, <clears throat> I don't know, dude. They they're. I'm sure they'll get it together once they're fully healthy. I'm sure they'll they'll kick it up a little bit. Uh, but losing to the Pistons by 20, losing to the Raptors by 20, I mean, just not a good look. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. They lost to the Bucks earlier in the season. It was like the third game of the season. They lost by almost 50. So, um Really, really struggling down there in South Beach. They'll, they'll have to figure out something to get it together. Yeah, I mean, maybe they can get a turnaround. We'll see. Still a bunch of there's. I mean, there's a decent bit of the season left to go. So let's uh, let's talk about the Nets real quick. You said you had some some stuff about the Nets you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So it it just kind of goes to. Uh, to bam going for 40 against them uh this team i mean obviously they're built to score but their defense is not good um they're giving up 117 points a game which i don't even know i mean that's gotta be close to the bottom uh yeah i mean they're 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 first in points per game obviously scoring 120 points a game but they're 27th in points allowed. So really, really not a good look. I mean, Kevin Durant coming back off an Achilles injury, MVP candidate. I mean, he's averaging 31, five and seven or 31, seven and six pretty much. So shooting 53, 54% from the field. So that's just ridiculous. But as far as playing against the, uh, I guess you would say like the upper echelon teams. Really, I'm mainly talking about the Lakers here just because AD was the first big that came to mind. But if you're going to, you got to have somebody better than DeAndre Jordan to defend the paint. And that's why I thought it was such a big loss for them when they traded Jared Allen to get uh, James Harden because he was, I mean, he's a, just a better player than DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so, I don't think anybody on that team can hold Anthony Davis. Uh, I need to let me stop just talking about the fucking Lakers here, but I just, I feel like this team, they lost two games in a row to the Cavs, which was a bad look, Uh, but shout out to the Cavs and Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton had a career night against the Nets, which kind of speaks to their lack of defense. Uh, but with that being said, they're going to have to do something defensively if they want to compete for a championship. They can outscore you, but or they can score a shitload of points on you, but they can't stop you either. So it's just a, I don't know. I just feel like that kind of recipe isn't isn't really one that's going to win a championship for you. I mean, if you look at all the teams that have won championships recently, 
sure they can all score on you, but they all have a good blend of defense as well. And the Nets just don't have that right now. Yeah, the Nets definitely have some stuff to work on. Um, just going back to L.A. since you brought it up, the Clippers are on a seven-game win streak right now, and they're now tied for the lead in the uh, in the West. Yeah, shout out to them. Uh, as much as I hate to say that, but I mean they're a good team. Paul George is playing like a. Playing like MVP Paul George because it's the regular season. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying that until he shows me otherwise in the playoffs because I mean there's no evidence that I could that I'm seeing that he's gonna be better in the playoffs. I mean he did the same shit when he played in OKC with Russ. He was good as shit in the regular season, top three in MVP voting, and then shit the bed in the playoffs. So I I feel like the top two teams in the West are really just going to kind of coast through the regular season. I know the Lakers are, because um, I feel like they're they're playing the long game here. They're trying to win championships, so we'll see how that goes for them. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. Uh, definitely with Paul George having to show me that he can step up in uh in playoffs but doing good so far they're on a, a decent streak so they're um they're kind of back i guess you would say quiz what like <laughs> 25 26 points a game like almost six uh assist a game and like you said paul george i think was he at like 23 points a game so yeah they're uh they're looking good yeah um, shout, the, shout out to Kawhi though I will give him a shout out because of the playmaking that he's been doing um, They the, the Clippers really don't have like a true point guard I mean they have Patrick Beverly but he's just there for defense and to be a little shithead um, but shout out to Kawhi for stepping up in the playmaking department leading the team in points and assists per game I should say I don't know if he's leading overall but I would assume and what assists? And points, yeah. I don't I don't know if he has the most on the team like all year, but he's leading them. See, and this this kind of team right here is this looking at their team stats, this is what I mean when I'm talking about the Nets. The the uh the Clippers points per game 114.8, which is seventh in the league. And then points allowed 107.2, which is fourth in the league. I mean, that's the kind of shit that wins championships right there. And then let's look at the league, the Lakers, because I think they're first in the league for defense. So yeah, the Lakers 114.3 points per game tied for eighth and points allowed 104.3, which is second in the league. That's the kind of shit that wins championships right there. When you can score at a high level and defend at a high level, you can't just have one of the two. Oh, absolutely. And when you when you said that earlier, I just started looking at all the opponents, like points per game stats for every team. The Heat give up like 113, which is ridiculous. The Wizards, 121 a game that they're giving up. Jesus. Uh, the Kings, same thing, 121 points a game. I mean, 
There's just not there's just not defense, period, when you look at this in this league. I mean, there are clearly teams that play yeah. decent defense, but I mean it's just a different day and age in basketball. You know what I mean? It's it's got a the game's definitely more geared towards offense. I think some of that also comes down to the fact that the three ball is so important now. Everybody's pulling a shitload of threes every game, so you're bound to get a little more points per game, I would assume, when when that's the case. So, but yeah, shout out to the Wizards for being dead last in defense. Jesus. They're like third <laughs> in the league in offense, but dead last. That's awful. Yeah, it's definitely not good. All right, so that's all I got for the uh, <clears throat> for the NBA. You want to move on to this uh, this Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier card, yes. as hurtful as it was. It was a good so, card. Uh, it was. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but it was definitely worth it. We'll just start off with the. The yeah. first fight on the card, if you want to. Yeah, so Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Rebus. I, I picked Amanda Rebus. Uh, she got knocked out, pretty much got destroyed. Um, I, I can't even say that. I mean, she, she had a takedown and had some good control time. But, I mean, if you just look at the – I can't even – this fight really wasn't – I don't even know how to say it. It wasn't really like anything crazy, but it was a it was a good performance from Marina Rodriguez. You right. don't really see 115 pounders get dropped all that often. So Yeah, I mean that punch big ups to Marina Rodriguez. Right. Yeah, that punch she landed. I mean, that was pretty much perfect. And Reba's went face first into the canvas and ended up getting stopped. She got back on her feet eventually and then ended up stopping it. But I mean, yeah, a good fight, a good fight, definitely a good start to the pay per view. Uh, next fight on the card Mahmoud Muradov. Maybe that's the way to say that. Not 100% sure. Uh, TKO's Andrew Sanchez in the third round and that was that was a pretty good fight honestly uh they were kind of beating the shit out of each other oh yeah yeah (laughs) this was a this was definitely a fun fight you know even before the the tko but i didn't know a lot about these two guys really going in but it was definitely a fun fight to watch i didn't really have anybody to like root for so it was just sitting back and watching two guys that I really could care less who won or could not care less <laughs> but yeah, yeah overall good fight. that makes for some interesting fights in my opinion yeah I mean it's I mean because you know typically on a pay-per-view you're gonna have a few fights that you just really you know don't care who wins or loses and sometimes they perform and then sometimes they don't so this was definitely a good fight for myself, not having anybody to root for. Speaking of a good fight for us, this uh, this and the next one are the only good ones that we that we picked correctly. So, yeah, uh, did we pick all the same? JoJo, bad. I'm pretty sure we all we picked all the same. Ah, 
I don't even did we even do a pick for Sanchez versus Muradov? No. Muradov? Okay, I didn't think so. Don't know ever. But I know we picked yeah. I know we, we definitely didn't pick for the we only picked we for the final picked. three. Oh, okay, okay. And I know we both picked JoJo. So yeah. she gets the dub decision. Really pretty pretty fun fight. They were they were scrapping the whole time. JoJo outlanded her by 110 strikes. So shout out to her. Yeah. I mean, she even doubled up on significant strikes. She had 148 significant strikes to 77. But yeah, I mean, she looked good in this fight. Kind of a, I won't say a slow start necessarily because there was a lot of grappling, but she's just nasty in that tie clinch. Oh, 100%. She was eating her legs up to landed 43 yeah. leg kicks. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's 40 more than G took. So. Yeah, again, real good fight. Uh, big JoJo fan here, so glad you got the win. This next fight, Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler in his debut in the UFC. Did not disappoint whatsoever. Absolutely not. Knocked out a super tough dude in Dan Hooker. Uh and I, I know me and you talked about this yesterday, but I've been seeing people on Twitter talking about that was a lucky punch. And I just – I don't really understand how. I mean, he was setting it up the whole time. He was throwing that straight right to the body. And then he wouldn't follow it up with anything. And then the one time that Dan Hooker dropped his hands after that straight right to the body, he came over the top with a left hook. So I think that – I mean, in my eyes watching this, that's a perfectly good setup right there. I don't I don't understand how you would say that that's lucky. No, I mean, if you watch it, the guy throws like four or five punches like that to the body, and like you said, never followed up with anything else, just the straight to the body. And so it was clearly a setup. I don't see how you would say that was a lucky strike. But, I mean, did he hit him uh, – Nobody's really knocking out Dan Hooker, so. Yeah, and uh, shout out to, I forget who the ref was for this fight, but he let Dan Hooker take like 50,000 shots to the head once he got knocked <laughs> down. He was just sitting there punching him in his fucking head over and over again. I was like, Jesus, somebody stop this fight, bro. It's kind of becoming normal now. I mean, if you really think about it. For real. It's like every card now where there's somebody – just gets the shit beat out of them way worse than they should. Since we're talking about the UFC, I just got a notification from ESPN. Um, former legend BJ Penn was allegedly arrested for driving under the influence Saturday. So that guy, I don't know what the fuck has been going on with him lately. He's getting knocked out by bouncers at clubs. Uh, and now he's getting arrested for a DUI. So hopefully that guy can can find his way in life because he's he's taking a dark path. Yeah, you really hate to see it, but I mean, the guy fought probably like five fights at the least past his prime, and I would assume got dogged in oh, pretty much every one of them. But I mean, I've I've seen him take some damage. You know, not just his late fights, but like in his early fights, you know, he he took a little bit of damage in those two. And I think it's kind of showing now. 
Yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure he ended his career on like a nine five losing streak. Yeah. So there you go. Um anyways, let's move on to the fight that I don't want to talk about. Uh Connor McGregor knocked out by Dustin Poirier. Great performance by Poirier. Can't hate that at all. Poirier's a great dude. Um, obviously, I'm just a Conor McGregor fan, so this kind of hurt to watch. But if they weren't fighting each other, I would be rooting for Dustin Poirier. Uh, I really like what he stands for as far as, you know, his good fight foundation and all that stuff. Uh, really big shout out to him for all that. Shout out to Conor for his half a million dollar donation to the Good Fight Foundation. Uh, hopefully that'll bring some bring some uh, more eyes to it and get the ball rolling even more than it already is with that. So, yeah. But on the on the combat side of things, I mean, the story of this fight was just the calf kicks, the low calf kicks, really. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he just sat there. He let him kick him in the leg 18 times and didn't check any of them. So I don't, I don't really know what he was expecting. I mean, after he ate, he ate a bunch of them and I was just like, okay, you got to do something to stop that. The announcers were talking about it. And from that, honestly, from the time I saw it starting to like bother him, I, I, I knew right then he was, he was about to lose the fight. I don't know, man. I like Poirier too. He's a good dude, but like you said, the calf kicks, they kind of just set up the end for him because when Dustin hit him with what's like a left hook he hit him with and got him on the ground, finished it. Pretty good showing from him, but I didn't think McGregor looked good. Yeah. It looked like he, the way that he was trying to check those kicks was just by like planting down even more on his front foot, uh, which – I mean, it might work in a trip for like a traditional leg kick, but with those low calf kicks, he was still getting caught by like the lower part of his shin or like maybe even like the, the top part of his foot on the calf. And I feel like, I mean, you keep, you see calf kicks more and more nowadays because they're such an effective strike. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after taking about three of those, I would assume that his leg was probably compromised and then got kicked 15 more times after that. So, but like you said, shout out Poirier. I hated it for Connor. First time he's ever been knocked out. Hopefully that doesn't become a recurring theme. He said he wants to be active this year. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, he's got the, he's got this trilogy fight with Poirier. Uh, that they could do. Obviously, Nate Diaz is out there, but apparently Nate Diaz is training to fight Poirier next. Who knows what the fuck is going on there with him? But <laughs> what is like? I don't even understand how he thinks a, he's getting that fight. Yeah, I mean, Dana kind of Dana will probably give him whatever fight he wants, but I mean, if it's there's got to be that's stupid. Yeah, that, and that's my point because I don't. Is Poirier? You think Poirier is going to fight for something other than the belt at this point? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. I mean, if we're just being real. Like, hell well, no, I wouldn't well, either. You got a you got a guy retired. They've made no attempts to try to set up a new title holder. So I, I, that just don't make any sense to me. 
Then he and Khabib said he wanted to not keep the division on hold, right? And to me, this is on hold. I mean, there's no reason there hasn't, at the very least, been an interim title shot. Like you throw you throwing things out like candy, and you got a division with a guy who's literally retired, and you haven't made any steps to make a new belt holder. That's my thing too. And I mean, Poirier even said in the cage after the fight in his post-fight interview, he said that this fight was for the title in his eyes and that he's the champion now. And I, I mean, I would agree with that. I yeah. would say this is, I mean, if you're going to make a title fight, it's probably between these two dudes. I mean, you got Gaethje in the mix, you got Oliveira in the mix, but I mean, if you had to pick two, it's probably these dudes or those other two that I just named. And now Michael Chandler's in that mix too. So, yeah. You know what I really want to see? This division has always been what? I, I want to see a tournament like they did for the uh, for the flyweight back in the day with DJ and Benavidez and uh, shit, who else do they have? DJ shit, Benavidez, I don't even know, dude. Um, Ian McCall, <laughs> and that his name, Uncle Creepy. Yeah, shout out, shout out to him. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the other one, but uh, oh, well, no, maybe not. I don't know, but those three for sure. But I really want to see that. I would love to see that for the lightweight title. I mean, this division, like I was saying, has always been a bright spot for the UFC, but even now, it just feels like it is so stacked. Like, there's so many people in this division. I mean, you still got. Uh, on top of the dudes that I just named, you still got Tony Ferguson hanging around somewhere. Obviously, he just got dominated by Oliveira, but he definitely looked off his game that night. And that's to take nothing away from Charles Oliveira, because I think that dude, who, whoever the whoever fights for the belt next, should be fighting against Oliveira. Probably Poirier and Oliveira, in my opinion. I think that's a damn good fight. Um and then you just got all those other dudes that I, that I was just talking about. That's a solid six people right there that you could use to make a tournament. Grab two more people, make it an eight-man tournament, and there you go. All right, so Gaethje, Poirier, Oliveira, uh, and I'm sure these aren't updated yet, but Connor at four, Tony at five, Hooker at seven or six, and then RDA and Felder, seven and eight. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing like, and this would be probably too much. But I wouldn't mind seeing eight, like an eight-man tournament. Hell no, I would love that. You it have just, it, it brings so much excitement to all the fights, and there's so much more meaning to all the fights, in my opinion. Yeah, because I don't. Obviously, every fight matters, especially if you want to, you know, win a belt, uh, or if you're up in that that high in the rankings, like, you know, you really can't afford losses, but unless you're Connor, because he has, you know, there's, I mean, when the guy fights, they're going to make money. It doesn't matter. So he's like the exception, but I mean, just based off these rankings, like I said, I'm sure they'll change, but you know, you have Gaethje versus Felder, not definitely a fight. I would mind, you know, I wouldn't mind watching, um, Poirier versus Hooker, or I'm sorry, RDA. I think RDA is washed up, but still wouldn't mind watching that. Oliveira versus Hooker and, and Connor, Connor versus, versus Tony. Tony. That would be fun to watch. And the, and the build-up. right there. 
and the build up to that fight would just be ridiculous because they have to hate you. We know Tony hates him for sure. I don't know how much attention Connor gives Tony, but that would be a that would be a fun fight just for the build up alone. Yeah. But if you think I, I about like it, that. I like that idea. That would be fun. But if you think about it, so you're pretty much looking at like the, over the first round, you're looking at like probably two separate pay per views that have that, right? So, yeah, I would assume that, that just means that somebody who's ranked higher than Connor is going to have to share a card with Connor and be the co main event. <laughs> <laughs> That, and you know, because you know, Connor ain't fighting no co-main event. No, he won't, and and it's not going to matter because none of it's for the belt. But no, nah, I, mean, I I would like to see that. Right. I think the UFC never really does tournaments, but especially not that big. Uh, like I said, they had the the four man tournament one time, but I, I just that would be that would be incredible so, to watch. I think going back to what we were talking about with Khabib, uh, I believe he's sitting down with Dana this week to to make like a yes or no decision whether he's coming back or not. So hopefully we have some 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 what's the word guidance this week about whether whether he's going to come back and fight or not. Um, Honestly, bro, like if if you're at the point where like you think you ha- you have to be excited to come back and fight, then you're probably not doing it for the right reasons. Um, I feel like the motivation has to be internal for this kind of shit. I don't think you should have to watch somebody fight and be like, "Damn, I want to fight that guy." But I don't do the shit for a living. I'm not 29 and 0 or whatever. I mean. Who knows really what the deal is with him. Hopefully we find out something soon so we can keep this division pushing forward because like you said, there's there's way too much talent in this division for it to just be held up like this. Right. And I mean again, who's to say he's even gonna fight in that division? There should have already been an an intertitle right. fight. There there just should have been. Because when was when was his last fight? Khabib's. Oh, shit. I don't even know. It was like July. Or am I wrong? It was against Gaethje, right? Yeah. Um, I want to say it was somewhere in that range. Let's see here. Oh, it was October. So, I don't know. It still just seems like it's been a a long time to to not have, you know, something worked out already at the moment because – I think after a couple months of waiting on an answer from him, you just got to be like, all right, well, we're going to move forward. And, you know, you have to make a decision in that time. Uh, that's what I would have done. But I guess the guy yeah. being who he was, you, you give him a little bit extra leeway. I mean, the crazy thing about it too is he's tweeting after the fight, talking shit about Connor. Like if, if you're going to talk shit, bro, like, why don't you fight him again? I mean, I get right. you probably feel pretty confident that you're gonna win that shit, but don't talk shit if you're not gonna if you're not gonna fight. Like, I mean, he he fought Connor in October of 2018, didn't fight again until September of 2019, and then didn't fight again until October of 2020. 
And he's got three fights in three years. Well, four fights in three years because he fought in April of 2018 as well before he fought Connor. So, but regardless, I mean, the dude was. I mean, two fights a year is not active. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and even for 2019 and 2020, one fight in each of those years. Just keep it pushing, bro. Like, I get it. If you, I mean, you're retired. Just stay retired if, if you're going to fight once a year or come back and fight one time and then retire for good. Like, I, I personally was never a fan of Khabib, even when he was running the division, because it just seemed like he never fucking fought anybody. And looking at it now, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious that he never fought anybody. I mean, I mean, he fought the best of the best in the division. No, I'm, don't get it twisted like I'm saying that, but uh, just like the time in between all these fights is just a little too much for me. I think a champion should fight at least twice a year, I mean, two, three times a year. I'll give him a little bit of credit because a couple of those, you know, I'm sure he missed a couple of fights trying to schedule it with uh, Tony Ferguson. Oh, yeah, that is true. So, I mean, still, you know, there's some pretty big gaps, and I'm sure that's not everything to do with it, but he did have that. How many fights did they end up canceling between them two? Like three? Four, I'm pretty sure. I think they both pulled out twice. Good gosh. And that's where Terry Misu came from. But yeah, I've never been a huge Khabib fan either. I don't know what it is about the guy, really. Like, obviously, he's a great fighter, but I just never liked him, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. All right. Thank you all for listening. Go follow us on Twitter at Padding Stats Pod. And then you can follow me on Twitter at B O Z E. PTSP and go follow TK at TK PTSP and we'll catch y'all next time. You're